0: Welcome back to the Hemingway List podcast for Book 11, Chapter 19. I'm going to sneeze soon. It's the second day of spring. Second. There it is. It's the second day of spring here in Australia, which means it's the second day of hay fever. And it's just like clockwork. Isn't it crazy how that works? Um, what are we talking about here? Book 11, Chapter Book 11, chapter 19, we have seen a lot of times that, before a battle, the beautiful surrounding nature is described. Were you anticipating a battle here too because of the description? This chapter focuses mainly on Napoleon's thoughts while looking at Moscow and awaiting the deputation. What's your opinion on his thoughts? Did it change in any way how you're looking at him now? The gentlemen who were sent to bring the boyars to Napoleon are afraid to tell Napoleon that the city is empty. What do you think Napoleon's reaction will be upon receiving this information? Twisted Every Way says, Napoleon was kind of cracking me up in this chapter. He's basically standing on top of his hill, looking down at Moscow and thinking, he can just wave his hand and make the Russians do what he wants, act like he wants, introduce them to fine civilization and the like. Has any country that was ever invaded just opened the gates and said, come on in and change our society around completely? They may have abandoned Moscow, but I doubt they are going to give up. Napoleon has a touch of the delusion and I might have a chuckle when they tell him the city is empty and he has no one to issue these proclamations to. Um, yeah, it's a weird moment, isn't it? Standing over Moscow. Beautiful Moscow. And not realizing just what's happening there. Everyone's it's like the shell of a city. Everyone's gone. Or getting ready to go. Four lost souls in a bowl said, There's just one point in this chapter that I'm confused on. Is Napoleon in Moscow? Edit. Yes, there she lies before him. Yep, he's there. They've made it to Moscow. Angel of Dawn says, I have really liked the description of the autumn in this and previous chapters. I can't say I'm expecting another battle, though. I don't remember the history. Of it, but I'm waiting for the thing that will strike reality into Napoleon and convince him to return to France. Maybe it will be a battle, maybe it will be everyone telling him that Moscow's empty, and will it be burning? Moscow's empty, party's over, Napoleon, everyone go home. And Stephen Foxbat says, if you're if you have a horrible manager at work, oh, this is so weird. I read this comment today. If you have a horrible manager at work who has a power complex, childishly hiding from them is super effective at at upsetting them. (laughs) It was so weird. I was at work today, and I do have a horrible manager who has a weird power complex, um, and nitpicks, 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 nitpicks. Every single thing I do, nitpicks. It's I don't know. It's it's getting to be honest ridiculous. And to the point where I just dread turning on my work computer because I just know there's going to be, you know, a bunch of messages and emails from them nitpicking at things that I've done. And I just can't, I just can't deal with it. Anyway, I was literally hiding, you know, I was sitting on the floor of my office or lying down on the floor of my office on a blanket, just closing my eyes and thinking, I just can't, I just can't today, I'm done. You know, my manager has annoyed me so much that I'm just going to pretend I don't exist so I grabbed out my phone while I was there on the ground trying to clear my mind and I had one message on Reddit and I opened it up and it said that from Stephen Foxbat if you have a horrible manager at work who has a power complex childishly hiding from them is super effective at upsetting them and um, I had a moment where I was like who wrote that? How do they know? What? How do they know that that's what I'm doing? Who is that? I, for a minute, thought, is that my manager? <laughs> like, are they on Reddit? On my sub, on my subreddit? On my podcast? Um, anyway, I found that really strange, and then I realized that you were talking about the chapter, and it had nothing to do with my actual life. Chapter 22 also has nothing to do with my actual life, but, all right, here we go, here's chapter 20, 20, chapter 20. Oh, I know this chapter. I know this chapter. I don't like this chapter. This was a lot of people's favorite chapter, so I shouldn't I shouldn't um, paint it in one way or another. This was a lot of people's favorite chapter. I remember last time I read the book. For me, it was a bit silly. I found this chapter a bit silly. But let's see how you go. Make up your own mind. Chapter 20 goes like this. Meanwhile, Moscow was empty. There were still people in it, perhaps a fiftieth part of its former inhabitants had remained, but it was empty. It was empty in the sense that a dying queenless hive is empty. In a queenless hive, no life is left, though, to a superficial glance, it seems as much alive as other hives. The bees circle round a queenless hive in the hot beams of the midday sun, as gaily as around the lives of hives, sorry, around the living hives. From a distance it smells of honey, like the others, and bees fly in and out in the same way, but one has only to observe that hive to realize that there is no longer any life in it. The bees do not fly in the same way. The smell and the sound that meet the beekeeper are not the same. Do the beekeepers tap on the wall of the sick hive instead of the former instant unanimous humming of tens of thousands of bees with their abdomens threateningly compressed and producing by the rapid vibrations of their wings an aerial living sound? The only reply is a disconnected buzzing from different parts of the deserted hive. From the alighting board, instead of the former spirituous fragrant smell of honey and venom and the warm whiffs of crowded life, comes an odor of emptiness and decay mingling with the smell of honey. There are no longer sentinels sounding the alarm, with their abdomens raised and ready to die in defense of the hive. There is no longer the measured quiet sound of throbbing activity. Like the sound of boiling water, but diverse discordant sounds of disorder. In and out of the hive, long black robber bees smeared with honey fly timidly and shiftily. They do not sting, but crawl away from danger. Formerly, only bees laden with honey flew into the hive, and they flew out empty. Now they fly and out laden. The beekeeper opens the lower part of the hive and peers in, instead of black glossy bees tamed by toil. Clinging to one another's legs And drawing out the wax with a ceaseless hum of labour That used to hang in long clusters down to the floor of the hive Drowsy, shriveled bees crawl about separately in various directions On the floor and walls of the hive Instead of a neatly glued floor Swept by bees with the fanning of their wings There is a floor littered with bits of wax Excrement dying bees Scarcely moving their legs And dead ones that have not been cleared away the beekeeper opens the upper part of the hive and examines the super. Instead of serried rows of bees sealing up every gap in the combs and keeping the brood warm, he sees the skilful complex structures of the combs, but no longer in their former state of purity. All is neglected and foul. Black robber bees and swiftly and stealthily prowling about the combs and the short home bees, shriveled and listless as if they were old, creep slowly about without trying to hinder the robbers, Having lost all motive and all sense of life, drones, bumblebees, wasps and butterflies knock awkwardly against the walls of the hive in their flight. Here and there among the cells containing dead brood and honey, an angry buzzing can sometimes be heard. Here and there, a couple of bees by force of habit and custom, cleaning out the brood cells with efforts beyond their strength, laboriously drag away a dead bee or a bumblebee without knowing why they do it, in order... In sorry, in another corner two old bees are languidly fighting or cleaning themselves or feeding one another without themselves knowing whether they do it with friendly or hostile intent. In a third place a crowd of bees crushing one another attack some victim and fight and smother it, and the victim enfeebled or killed drops from above, slowly and lightly as a feather, among the heap of corpses. The keeper opens the two centred partitions to examine the brood cells, in place of the former, close dark circles formed by thousands of bees sitting back to back and guarding the high mystery of generation. He sees hundreds of dull, listless, and sleepy shelves of bees. They have almost all died unawares, sitting in the sanctuary they have guarded, and which is now no more. They reek of decay and death. Only a few of them move, rise, and feebly fly to settle on the enemy's hand, lacking the spirit to die, stinging him, that the rest are dead and fall as lightly as fish scales.' The beekeeper closes the hive, chalks a mark on it, and when he has time, tears out its contents and burns it clean. So, in the same way, Moscow was empty, when Napoleon, weary, uneasy, and morose, paced up and down in front of the Kamakolsky rampart, awaiting what to his mind was a necessary, but, if but formal, observance of the proper proprieties, a deputation. In various corners of Moscow there still remained a few people aimlessly moving about, following their old habits and hardly aware of what they were doing. When, with due circumspection, Napoleon was informed that Moscow was empty, he looked angrily at his informant, turned away, and silently continued to walk to and fro. "'My carriage,' he said. He took his seat beside the aide-de-camp on duty and drove into the suburb. Moscow deserted,' he said to himself. "'What an incredible event.' He did not drive into the town.' but put up at an inn in the Dorogomilov suburb. The coup de theatre had not come off. Alright, there we go. There's that chapter for you. The Beehive chapter. Have your say about it on the Reddit thing. Did you like it? Did you not like it? Controversial chapter. Alright, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.